Yo, man. I be seeing you and your little friends with y'all flat tops and MC Hammer pants. Riding around and shit, looking like y'all came out of the DeLorean or some shit. Fuck is up with that shit anyway? You know, the, the 90s was... It's like the golden age of hip-hop. Everything from takes a nation of millions to the blueprint was killing it. Guess me and my friends just wish we grew up back then. It Takes a Nation came out in 88. Blueprint came out 2001. What the fuck are you talking about right now? Technically, um... But you know, the spirit of the music was definitely still 90s. I mean, Takes a Nation, uh, straight out of Compton, paid in fools ahead of their time. Then you got Snoop, Biggie, Wu-Tang. They took the game to the next level. Blueprint was kind of like the punctuation mark. Let's not forget, the 90s also gave us Vanilla Ice, MC Hammer, and we can't forget about the Fresh Prince. <laughs> Everything in the 90s wasn't great, but uh, man, you gotta admit, Summertime was a classic. This is really shit I love right, Maybe cause it's all I know. Life don't let you write twice. One continuous note. The ink in my pen is life. No erases, no. Everybody. Hello. Welcome to the film room. This week we have an interesting little film. It's an indie, right? Yeah, it's it's very much an indie. It was a Sundance produced or it was a Sundance uh, film. Uh, it uh, was a huge, huge deal at that festival. And well, I'm going to get into the release as we talk about the film. Um, it's it's actually it's actually pretty dope. Yeah. And by that, I mean we're talking about dope. Yes, we are. We are discussing the 2015 effort dope. And before we get into the film, let's talk a little bit about how it was that we came to settle on doing this film. Rank desperation kind of happened. Uh, rank desperation kind of set in. We uh, found ourselves in a situation for which we were looking at potential movies we because we were trying to do a, a schedule and one of our goals for this year is that we are going to try and do a little bit more diverse films we're going to try and do a little bit more you know a little bit more films directed by women films from other countries we really do want to we want to get a little bit more of our broader spectrum we believe that that's something that's important to us and so we we really do want to have that reflected in the cast um and believe me yeah <laughs> that's going to be in the near future for us very very near future um we so we so we were looking at doing uh fruitvale station was going to be what was originally going to go in this slot and then initially because of uh the initial schedule that was going to be recorded right before we had to do the april fool's day cast yeah and that's breakneck like as far as tone because Fruitvale Station, for those who are unaware, is about the real-life murder of a man by the police. Yeah. Yeah, we're not doing that. Um, 
Not right now. Not right now. We're going to double back and cover that film. Before the end of the year, we are going to absolutely get that one in. So we realized, okay, that's going to be kind of a tricky transition. Why don't we look and do something else? And so I got on Netflix and I was looking uh, on Instant Watcher and I was like, okay, what's out there? And this one got slotted in because it was like, okay, I'd heard good things about it. And we then didn't wind up having to make that transition because we wound up having all kinds of chaos, which we've covered in past casts. Um, I mean, keep in mind, my wife is pregnant. My life is chaos. Yeah. So that was what we wound up doing. Um, We wound up having this one slotted in, but we didn't wind up needing it in that slot. And in the end, we decided to go ahead and cover the film because... When I mentioned on Twitter the first time that this was one that we were looking at covering, I had a couple of people go, oh, I really love that film. People had a really strong emotional reaction to this film, and that intrigued me. So I was looking forward to sitting down and watching this one, and we did finally get to cover it. And I'm just going to say right now, they're right. They're right all the way about it. This is a tremendously fun film. Yeah, it is. This is a lot of fun. Um... For just a a quick backstory on the film, uh, as we mentioned, it was a Sundance film. Um, It was purchased in a pretty big deal by Open Road Films. Uh, They made a pretty big, like, they made a commitment that was um, a little absurd, to be perfectly blunt. They paid $7 million for the rights, and then they said they had a $20 million print and advertising uh, obligation with that. Hmm. And that's not, that's not bad. The film, however, did only gross $18 million worldwide. Like, I think just, and I don't even know if it quite made that even. Here's the issue that this movie faced, and I, I just want to point this out to people who make these deals. This was not a bad purchase. This was a very logical choice. This is a crowd-pleasing film. This is an entertaining film. The reason that it wound up going the same direction of uh, such Sundance lights as Hamlet 2, which... Guys, how many times do I have to say this? Seriously, find that movie. Oh god, yeah, I love that movie. I am so tired of that movie being the whipping boy for Sundance failures. That movie is wonderful, and it's on you that you didn't see it. Oh god, yeah, I, I forgot about it till now, but I can't believe I did, because it's it's really hilarious. It's hysterical. That movie is constantly funny, and it... It's, it's Steve Coogan at his best. Yeah, it's, it's the best thing. He's... <sighs> Yeah, it really is the best thing he's done. And I've seen Alan Partridge, so yeah. Oh, it's so good. That and uh, Tristram Shandy, I also recommend that. Yeah, yeah. He and Michael Winterbottom have a good thing going. Uh, But seriously, getting back to this one, the reason that it wound up, I think, failing to find a big audience in theaters is very simple. It was released the second weekend of Jurassic World. Mm. Okay. Studio executives, I'm really going to stress this. When you're looking at your release dates... A small indie film is not meant to be released in the heat of summer. You do that, you kill the film. That's what always winds up happening to these indie films, um, is they wind up up getting tossed out in the heat of summer, and they die. This is a small film. This is a very small film. This is a just very, very small scope, small scale film. Why was it released the same time as... Jurassic World and Inside Out. You had to know it was going to get obliterated. You're not counter-programming in that case. Your audience is going to see it. The reason that a lot of, let's just call them what they are, black films, 
succeeds so well, and boy, I hope nobody misunderstands me. This is a film that is very steeped in black culture. That's the point of this movie. It is. Oh, oh, extremely. You know, is they're released in seasons that are, quote-unquote, you know, your, your times that they have time to flourish. Um, if this movie had been released in April, which is, you know, in spring... Like, oh, and that would have meant sitting on the film for a bit longer, I think, than the studio wanted to. If they'd released this in, say, March of, I guess, March of this year, they actually might have done pretty well, I think. Like, I think if they'd held it just a bit and let it sit, I think it might have actually done pretty well. Of course, I say that, that was the period of Deadpool and Zootopia, but this would have stood out against those. Yeah, yeah, it would have. You could have had a hit. They didn't. They they fumbled the release badly. However, the film came to Netflix, and that's where it's starting to find an audience, and that's where we watched it, of course. So, let's just get the plot details out of the way, and there's and it's not exactly the densest of plot. It's kind of nice because it, you know, the plot isn't really, it's one of those where the plot isn't laid out, it actually kind of unfolds as it goes. Yeah. It's kind of nice to discover I think you told me before uh, before I watched it. It's like don't don't read any details on it. Don't you know? Just go in, uh, go in cold. Yeah, let yourself find the movie is the thing to do. Of course, we're not going to give you that option. We're going to lay it out for you. Yeah, if you want to stop this and then watch it and then come back, you're welcome to. But I mean, we're gonna we're pretty much we're advertising the movie for you yeah. right now. Yeah. So, but if you don't care about that, just you know. Listen on. Yeah. There's a lot to discover, so but, we're not going to ruin anything. But seriously, we really do. I really do advise people because we do recommend the film. Do stop and listen and watch it before you cut before you go any further with this. This is one that we genuinely yeah. liked, and this is one that we are going get into some details on because we have to. The film's plot is fairly simple. Uh, our main character Malcolm is a '90s hip hop geek who wears a kid and play hairstyle. Not just a nice hip-hop geek, but just a geek in general. Yeah, he's very he's com- very computer literate. He's very into obscure stuff. He um, He's very smart. Uh, he's trying to get into Harvard. Uh, yeah, his goals are not small. Um, he's trying to do this while he lives in um, Inglewood, California. An area that is, of course, has been dealt with multiple times in other media. There's, Let's face it, if you know anything about 90s hip-hop, you've heard the references to this place. Um Oh yeah, and of course they're just they're on display here too. Yeah, which by the way, this, by the way, that area is actually really wonderfully shot. I just have to point out. Yeah, it is. A lot of movies would try and really play up the grunge and the grime, and this one doesn't. Uh, no, it's just like it's just it's like there are some you know it doesn't lie. There are some bad parts that they have to go through to get home, but you know there's Brandy's Donuts is there that's featured heavily, mm-hmm. and. It's featured as kind of a hot spot. Everything looks really nice. It's wonderfully shot. This is a really beautifully shot film. Um, and uh, he, as I said, he's a geek. He's bullied, constantly bullied. Um, he's at a, I love that this is a plot point, uh, but he's he's at a school that requires a metal detector. Mm-hmm. Which gets dealt with quite a bit. Um, and again, the movie treats that with a sense of humor. Like, the movie doesn't want you to go, oh, it's so poignant that this is going on. It just kind of laughs at it, really. Yeah. And I enjoyed that. Yeah. I really enjoyed that. Um, yeah, my, my, probably my favorite joke on that is... Wait, wait, wait. Hold on. <laughs> <laughs> 
Wait a minute. You two go back through one at a time. One at a time. What's getting into you? Everybody else wait, turn around, go back, we gotta do pat-downs, the machine is broke. Cause this kid cannot possibly have anything on him. <laughs> yeah. Which, <laughs> I love it. He, but, and he's, he's in a, um, by the way I should uh, note real quick, uh, Malcolm is played by uh, Shamik Moore, is the actor's name. In, in real life, a uh, rapper as uh, a side project, um, this is, oh, nice. this is actually one of the first things he's done as a credited role. Sorry, I actually downloaded the, uh, uh, like, at Spotify, I downloaded the soundtrack. Which is so good. The, the music in this movie is really wonderful. Um, oh, yeah. Uh, you have a sample of it in front of the cast, but Pharrell Williams actually did the original music in this. Yeah. That explains a lot. Yeah, which makes sense, because, you know, I love Pharrell Williams. Uh, guy's got a great ear. And this movie has a nice infusion of different styles of music. Like, he's in a band with uh, his friends uh, Dig and Jib. And wow, they're interesting characters. They are. One is just a Latino. Like, they're both fellow nerds. Mm, they're both fellow nerds. Uh, Diggy is uh, a lesbian. And uh, not not a Hollywood um, lipstick lesbian either. She's portrayed as... Very masculine, to the point where, honestly, I didn't know she was a woman in the first uh, moment that we meet her. Jackpot, niggas. <laughs> gushy, gushy. Oh, did I mention that Diggy was a lesbian? Although from the way she dresses, you might not have noticed she's a girl. That becomes a plot point a couple of times in the film. Um, uh, she's played by uh, Kiersey Clemens, is the actress's name. Yeah, I really do want to make sure to like give credit where credit is due on this film, because... The performances are so good. Um, and then uh, the uh, Latino friend, uh, Jib, is uh, played by Tony Revolori, who... Yeah, I recognize him. Grand Budapest Hotel. Yeah, he's the, he's, uh, uh, the lobby boy. Yeah. Yeah, he, he's in that. He's the main character. Yeah. These are... Nice. I'll be blunt that these are not the thickest sketched characters. They're not. They're, 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 they're fairly basic characters. They're what they need to be, I would... Yeah. And that's really, I, I mean, that really does feel kind of intentional. But uh, again, the plot is that Malcolm is trying to get into Harvard. Um, he has an interview scheduled uh, to speak with a uh, an alumni of the school that will help him get in. My one complaint about this film, and it's not even like it's, I don't care, is that this, uh, that the plot does rely on a lot of coincidence. It does. It does. Uh, but on the other hand, so does... So do so many great films, and and this movie is very much of a spirit with those films. Like, yeah, I can't, I can't fault it. No, <laughs> I'll just say it's so, it's so well put together. I can't fault it. Mm -hmm. And the movie even calls attention to that. The movie even says that had things gone differently, this plot would not have happened. But it acknowledges right. that in the uh, the narration is actually by uh, Forrest Whitaker, is who does the narration. Yeah, yeah, I noticed he uh, he's one of the producers on the film. Uh, uh, Sean Puffy Combs is yeah. one of the producers. Pharrell Williams is also, and he is, and he was in charge of. He not only did the original music, but he was the music supervisor, which really says a lot. I mean, the, there's some really talented people. Uh, the film was written and directed just so that we get that out of the way by Rick Famuyiwa. I looked up how to pronounce his last name because I really wanted to be sure to give proper attribution because he does such a wonderful job on this film. But Malcolm's got this interview and. 
had things gone normally, it probably would have been just a pretty basic, straightforward interview. However, he winds up going off, uh, there winds up being some gang activity that keeps him from getting home in his normal way, and he winds up running into uh, a small-time hustler uh, played by, uh, the guy's name was Rakeem Myers, uh, ASAP Rocky is his rap name, uh, this was apparently his first performance, uh, the guy that played Dom. Dom asks Malcolm to uh, ask a girl that he's in love with, uh, Nakia, played by Zoe Kravitz, uh, out. Oh, yeah, yeah. And invites her, asks Malcolm to invite her to a party. Well, I mean, this movie does follow a pretty basic arc there that uh, Malcolm quickly winds up hitting it off with her. At the party, there's a, uh, uh, there's a raid. Yeah. But what winds up happening is uh, Malcolm, Diggy, and Jib wind up getting invited to uh, this party. And uh, find, and these characters who are established as clearly never having done anything like this wind up getting drunk and getting caught up in the raid. And in the process of the raid, Dom stashes quite a bit of drugs in Malcolm's uh, backpack that he carries with him. And Malcolm is tasked with getting rid of, that, of those drugs. Yeah, he's tasked by... The, the guy that he, uh, he interviews with at Harvard, who happens to be the father of um, the guy who invited him to the party. Yeah. It's, there is, this plot in this movie is good and just pretty basic. It's just a pretty basic yeah. case. Because you have this character who has two goals simultaneously. He wants to get into Harvard, and he wants to, uh, and he has to sell these drugs in order to get into Harvard. Because the <laughs> because the guy that whose interview this is all dependent upon has made it very clear that he will ruin Malcolm's life if he doesn't sell these drugs and give him the money. Yeah, and so and it's funny because selling drugs to get into Harvard is uh, at the same time. If you just hear that phrase, it's like really that's like that kind of gives you an image of what kind of movie it's going to be. It's not. It's actually quite different from that. Yeah, I mean. The movie just makes it seem like a natural thing. This movie does a lot of things that another movie might do poorly. And it actually does right. That's the that's the thing that's so refreshing about this. I mean, it's a, it's a movie that does a lot of things that a lot of movies do very, very, very badly. But it does them really smoothly and, you know, well. Because, yeah, the story is about that simple. One of the things that uh, I think you mentioned... Is that yeah? This this is actually the rare occurrence where you see a piece of media that actually knows how memes work, mm -hmm. how uh, memetic, like modern memetic uh, stuff. It's like yeah, that's about right. Just some little, some little weird thing just catches on and it's repeated over and over. And it's something that you believe would actually catch on. Yeah. The uh, because what what because. Again, there's a lot of this movie is basically described is this is basically a shenanigans movie is the best way to put it. Yeah. A lot of stuff happens as these characters are trying to get to their goal. Um, when in the in, the initial person that they're trying to get the drugs to, which they don't, which Malcolm doesn't realize is the guy he's got the interview with, he, they go to the, his house um, where Malcolm uh, nearly has sex with his uh, daughter, who constantly walks around half naked, and. Uh, Winds up get, getting wasted off of her ass on uh, high-grade ecstasy, which then leads to, to the meme because she agrees to take him to uh, the uh, interview once she wakes up. 
Uh, by the way, she's so wasted that she doesn't even realize the interview is with her own father. Uh, go figure. Yeah, God. That's acceptable because, again, the character is established as being drugged out of her skull. And at one point, she stops the car, races outside, and urinates in the middle of the street. But yeah, the, the, the video that winds up becoming this mimetic video is of this girl stopping the car in the middle of the street, urinating on the side and urinating on the sidewalk. I want to stop and dissect this scene for a moment, if I may. One one of the things I wanted to throw in before that is what's brilliant is you you know she's like oh I gotta pee I gotta pee right in the middle of driving and she just stops at a stop at a stoplight and she's racing toward a building and she like keeps running and running you think that she's like you know going to the restroom inside the building but no she's going towards the bushes. This is a sequence that could be so very bad in the wrong hands. This was one of those scenes that as soon as I watched it, I was like, okay, I'm going to have to discuss this at length on the cast. Because this is the kind of thing that Friedberg and Seltzer do, and I hate. Why does it work here? Because it does work. Well, there's an... I mean, because honestly, this is a pretty humiliating and degrading scene if you stop to think about it. The character is half-naked and is embarrassing herself. Why do I actually not hate this scene? It has everything to do with execution. First of all, the sequence is funny, largely because of the wonderful comedic performance that uh, Chanel Iman gives in the role. Uh, she is killing it in this scene. Like, she brings such energy and life to it that, you know, she's constantly switching gears. At one moment, she's passed out, exhausted. In the next moment, she's completely live wire. Yeah. So you, you've got this tremendous shift in tone. You've got this character who, you know, it, it's played for laughs, and the laugh isn't, oh, look what she's doing. It's, oh, she's really, really, really out of her mind on drugs. Yeah, uh, I kind of watched this film in two sittings, and the first, I stopped just after that point, and I mentioned that to you, and it's like, yeah, there's even a guy there that's filming it. Mm-hmm. And I and you're like, just wait. Yeah. <laughs> But that that is a good detail that and that and that's just simply c- taking care to make sure that your plot points are set up be- because that does become a big plot point because what winds up becoming the plot what winds up becoming the way the drugs get distributed is it's over the dark web uh, with a link embedded in this video it's this video that winds up setting it off it's this video that winds up getting it to go mimetic yeah exactly. And again, that that's a coincident thing, but that also serves the plot really well in that, yeah, that does happen. I believe that this video would go mimetic because we've seen stuff like this every single day. Like, I think what you when you really get right down to it, what makes this scene work is, first of all, he shows discretion. Like, we're not given some lengthy shot of, you know, the way that it's framed and shot. We're not, it's not lingering on the act. It's more that it's funny that she's out of the car sc- screaming. That's what's funny. Yes. And just leaving leaving Malcolm behind to, well, basically steal the car to get to his destination. Yeah, that's, that's, it's a plot scene. It's, it's clever. It's well set up. I, I go back to the scene in Best Night Ever where uh, yeah. the, the face shitting. That scene lingers uh. on that. The movie lingers on that. And it's degrading as it's done. In this movie, 
It's embarrassing and it's humiliating, but on the other hand, the male characters go through about the same stuff. I tell, I tell you, I, uh, I almost forgot about that scene until just now. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, I, 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 I know, I know. You know, there's parts about that movie that sit really well with me, and there's parts of it that don't. Like, it's funny, I actually do think about that movie every now and then. And I think about the scenes that I do like, because there are a couple of scenes in it that I really do genuinely enjoy. Uh, mm-hmm. The interaction between the sisters is very good in it. It's just frustrating yeah. that it's in a movie that's got all that. This movie really does, though, kind of... Again, because it's because it gets away from that. We have multiple shots of Malcolm masturbating in the film, just to be perfectly blunt. <laughs> so it's not as if the male characters are are left out of this either, you know? It's 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 kind of equal opportunity. And again, so much of what I like about this scene really does come down to Iman's performance. Yeah, and those scenes are even done like like it's it's kind of a it's kind of a funny scene more than a gross. Yeah, it's it's not because he's watching, well, he's doing it while watching, like, uh, early 90s hip-hop music videos. It's it's kind of with, funny. With naked women in them. It's it's actually funny. It's it's clever. I... Yeah. And, and it illustrates a point in that, well, he's going through that time in his life. Yeah, I mean, he's a 17-year-old kid. Let's allow the movie to have a touch of realism here. Mm-hmm. There's so much about this movie. So many great individual scenes. And then, of course, you have the contrast of this character with uh, Zoe Kravitz's character, and I noted this as soon as I watched the film. My God, she looks just like her mother did in High Fidelity. She does, right down to the hair. Yeah, like, that's what really made me think, because it was like, wow, she looks just like her mother did in High Fidelity. And honestly, if you see a side-by-side shot of the women today, which is not hard to find, obviously, uh, they really still do look very much the same. They really and truly look like they could be sisters. Yeah. By the way, Kravitz, is that a coincidental name? No, it's not. Not at all. Ah, I thought not. No, yeah, her, her her dad is exactly who you think it is. She looks like him just a touch, too. Not so much, you know, more like her mother, because, incidentally, that's a girl, she's got to be sitting back thinking of, in terms of, like, aging, going, wow, I've hit the genetic jackpot. Both of her parents have aged unfairly well. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah but she's really good she doesn't have a lot of scenes in this movie she is the love interest but she doesn't have that much screen time frankly but what she does have she really does use very well she has a nice monologue about the prom that i really enjoyed uh she's a very charismatic actress i really want to see her do more and i and i think she will i think there, there's no reason that she's not going to uh you know when you're someone that attractive and charismatic it's just the industry is gonna she'll have some success uh she needs to get a lead role now is what i'm saying because she really that whole monologue that she gives about the prom and about how much she was disappointed by the fact that she didn't go but what really disappointed her and that's a detail i kind of do want to leave for everybody to discover because it doesn't go in an expected direction it's a good scene i mean I have so much love for the script of this movie. This is a movie that's great to just listen to, and that's rare. Uh, the sequence that really caught my ear the first was the uh, whole drones monologue, when the guys are sitting around handling the drugs just before the raid, and they're talking about drone strikes. Check this nigga out. Walking his G.I. dog and shit, scratching his nuts. Yeah, see, nigga? That shit ain't funny. 
It's fucked up if you really think about it. How, nigga? He killing all them Al-Qaeda's and shit? Nigga, that ain't all that gets killed. And the nigga saying he could drone strike Americans too. They killed an American working with them niggas in Yemen. Man, he was a terrorist, dog. So it's like set tripping. You can't decide to be a blood, then get mad if the Crips try to kill you and shit. Man, all I'm saying is, this shit started somewhere like Pakistan or some shit. And before you know it, they start saying that we're the terrorists. They gonna have planes riding all around Inglewood, dropping bombs on Crenshaw and shit, man. Ah, slippery slow. Exactly, nigga. Shit, I wish a nigga would try to fly drones in my hood. Fuck that. Yeah, yeah. That's some, that's some, and that's smart. Because the movie does know about drone strikes. The movie doesn't just bring the idea up. It's obvious that uh, Famuyiwa does understand what he's talking about. And yeah, the fact that they do stop to acknowledge, well, aren't we causing the roots of terrorism? Because they don't just take out terrorists in those strikes. That's really smart stuff. That's really clever dialogue and the actor again the acting in this movie is across the board wonderful i i there isn't a single performance in this movie that i have anything negative to say about which is pretty rare by the way i looked up the name of the cinematographer real quick um it was uh, rachel morrison was the woman's name and again really good job uh, i'm looking to see what else she has done because this is good stuff um a lot of indie stuff apparently oh she shot fruitvale station I do definitely want to talk about the whole interview scene because that's another scene that is a joy to listen to when he's interviewing with this guy who is really trying to tell him something very serious. Yeah, he he does the uh, the analogy of uh, Amazon and the kids just trying to say, "Look, I don't, you, I don't, uh, I don't buy them on discs. I, just, I, you download it." <laughs> Just try to bring, like, an updated view to it. <laughs> yeah, this movie really does understand, like, okay, the group that he mentions that he would listen to, they're in the fi- they are, of course, in the film. They're playing at the ra- uh, when the raid happens. So, that's, that's uh, a nice... Again, please know what you're talking about. Uh, the way... He's got that whole monologue, and it's so intense. Um, it's so very much this guy trying to convey some serious threats without being able to actually convey them. Right. And it's it's unnerving. Uh, the actor that does it, uh, Roger Guinevere Smith, has done some good stuff before. Uh, and he's, he's wonderfully frightening in this movie because he's so calm and peaceful. And he is one of the things that I, I do kind of have some issues with this character. I think he's a little cartoonish. I mean, he runs a check-cashing empire He's a Harvard graduate, and he's a, a drug dealer who recruits people through a youth uh, center that he volunteers with because that's how he recruits at least how he's established as having recruited at least one character. Come on, that's a, that might be a step too far. That's kind of cartoonish, but it's kind of a cartoonish film, so I'll let him off the track off the hook <laughs> with that. It's just it's good. It's a good scene, and he's really intense in it, and he just delivers everything in just this very calm, measured voice where he's trying to get the main character to realize, if you don't do this, I'm going to ruin your life. Yeah, exactly. That's good. That's that's really good. I also really love the solution that uh, Malcolm comes up with on how to sell this stuff. You know, because they're not, you know, they're not the type to sell it on the street. No. Uh, so that's kind of out of the question. Plus, that's really, well, fucking dangerous. It's dangerous and it's stupid. And let me point out, by the way, a worse movie would have included at least one scene of the characters trying 
and failing and fumbling at it. No, no. But these aren't those characters. Yeah, they know well enough going in that yeah, they're they're uh, they're gonna get like either outright busted or killed, and their stash taken or you know. So the uh, selling selling on the black on the black market internet uh, with bitcoins, and they have references to onion to uh, was it like onion servers or something, which is a real thing. Let me stress: this movie knows what it's talking about in terms of technology. Uh, it doesn't go too deep into it, and one thing that I will point out is that Bitcoin, Bitcoins have, like, the market has pretty much plummeted uh, in the, since this movie came out. But you know what? That's okay, because this fixes the movie very firmly in place as a 2015 movie. It does, yeah, where Bitcoins were still kind of worth something. Yeah, and that's okay, because this because this movie has such an interesting focus on nostalgia and about how we don't really understand it, like... When Malcolm is talking with uh, Dom, it is Dom that he's talking about at the be- talking with at the beginning about the rap that he likes. And he's talking about the mm-hmm. '90s stuff that he likes, and he points to albums from the 1980s and ni- and uh, 2000s as the ones that he points to as vintage '90s hip hop. Again, a worse movie would have stopped and allowed that to pass, because and mm-hmm. you know, I, because I I would expect a worse movie to do that, frankly. This one stops and goes, okay, no, 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 you're wrong. Points out the actual dates of the, because it was, uh, it takes a nation and the blueprint. Yeah, and then he starts to say, well, you know, one of them is the seeds of it, and one of them is influenced yeah. by it, so it still counts. I, I, again, I just love the way this movie will stop and go into these little digressions, because they're fun. And Yeah, and I love the counterpoint that he makes. It's like, well, don't forget, they also, the early 90s also brought us Vanilla Ice and all these other really shitty, terrible bands. Yeah. I, I like that because, again, this is a movie that's very nostalgic, but it's not dumb nostalgic. And so right. having Bitcoins be something that fixes this movie firmly in time and place really does fit. Because it's a movie about that. That's what the movie is discussing. And I really, I really enjoyed that about it. I really did. Um, but yeah, so you have the whole Bitcoins thing. and What's, what's, re- what's really funny is, if we could kind of spoil the ending... Put a firm spoiler thing on the like the. Uh, we warned you. Blog. We warned you. We did. We told you stop yeah. and listen and watch the movie. Yeah, but I, I love that. Uh, that kind of works into what Malcolm did was he didn't put the bitcoins in his name. He put them in the guy's name, the the uh, the Harbor man, and uh, uh, they set it up to where you know the stoner that they hire that they hire to do all the hacking stuff yeah like in order to like to turn into real dollars to put into a bank account that part is traceable if they know what they're looking for mm-hmm. and you like they would have to be looking for a specific amount they can't just stumble upon it and you'd have to be a complete fucking idiot to kind of screw that up uh, and it sets it up as a joke because it's like so do you want me to do it as he snorts some cocaine yeah <laughs> and uh it's like, no, I'll do it. Yeah. And it's like, well, no, he actually intentionally, deliberately put in the code a tracer. Yeah, it's 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 a failsafe, basically. It's a, if you hurt me, yeah. I'm going, it's basically, if you hurt me, here, I'm going to ruin your life. It's like. Exactly. And I like that. He brought it right back. And I mean, honestly, I was sitting there. I had to take, you almost have to take notes when he's laying out his plan. Because it's that smart, it's that, and it's logical. 
you can you can tell that uh, Famuyiwa knows what he's doing. You can tell he's not pulling this out of thin air. But you still have to stop and go, okay, let me be clear where this is going. Yeah. That's fine. I'm, I'm fine with that. I really... But, but yeah, my, my point on that was, you know, he, he got out $10,000 of it, of the uh, the Bitcoin money by by trading it on the blight market, mm-hmm. by just which is very dangerous, but he took the risk. And that seemed... And that scene, by the way, is really good, where he goes to do the trading. Yeah. Oh, that is a good scene, yeah. The 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 test he gives, uh, what he receives. and um, But yeah, and it's also, that solution is also clear why they took the risk, which is that, well, I've, I fail safe this so that if we do try to transfer out, then, well, that game is up. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, yeah. But yeah, getting back to the uh, the fact the fact that bitcoins are now declining, well, that means that the that guy can never get out, so he's actually getting less money uh, in real world terms now by keeping it in bitcoins than he would have unless he or unless he spends it all. Which makes the movie accidentally kind of brilliant. It does, yeah. And and you know, a small and I'll be honest with you, a a not small part of me wonders. If that wasn't something that Famuyi was was thinking about, like right. I have to wonder the fact that they might decline. Yeah, I have to wonder if he wasn't actually thinking about that, because again, this is a smart movie, so I'm I wouldn't be you know, and cryptocurrencies have a tendency to you know fail. There's there's a reason that the U.S. dollar is so widely revered. It's you know it's stable. That's why so many. You know, it's not just the American, it's not just American products that rely on it. There's a lot of things that the U.S. dollar is the benchmark. It's because it's fairly stable. It's, uh, you know, or, you know, there's a couple others. Uh, the yen is very, is pretty similar too. Uh, this is just, again, I like that this movie is smart. Uh, the uh, The stoner that they wind up bringing in is such a great character because he's the necessary white guy who's appropriating culture. Oh god, yeah. And he so doesn't get let off the hook for that. Yeah, and they they detail how he met and he just he just let an inward slide and got slapped for it. That whole mo- that whole sequence where they're having this discussion, you know, and he, and he points out that uh, Jib is clearly not African. Uh Revelori is uh, in fact Guatemalan. Uh, yeah, it's like, and he's like, well, I'm 14%. Shit, I'm 14%. It's like, and, you know, and he winds up going, and he goes through this whole thing about, look, I intended as a term of endearment. And you think that the movie's going to end with that, but but he still gets slapped. It's like, no, it's still wrong. Don't do it. Yeah, you're still fucking stupid for insisting on uh, using it. The, the way that the movie just outright mocks people who think that they can get away with it is beautiful i love it yeah <sighs> again this <laughs> this is a this really is a good movie this I, i've got so much about this movie that i could go on and on about i mean just the small bits of it it this is just such a fun movie and i'm i'm not surprised that people have had a very intense rea- reaction to it uh one thing i do want to definitely point out is that the movie makes a lot of great usage of the camera is really well used in this. There's a lot of kinetic motion to the camera in this. There's a lot of good, long, unbroken takes that 
you know. Yeah, there are. The camera moves in this thing. Uh, this is far from Famuyiwa's first movie. He's done uh, a couple of movies. Um, a lot of stuff that, well, to be perfectly honest, hasn't shown up on white radar, just to be perfectly blunt. Um, but he, he's had some success. Um, he's, he's worked quite a bit here and there throughout the years. And you can tell this was a passion project for him. You can really see the passion that he has for this. Uh, he's a uh, he includes a bit of his own backstory in Malcolm in that uh, he's also the son of Nigerian immigrants, and you can tell that that obviously means something. But yeah, the, I mean the camera. There's a there's a number of scenes that use split screen. Yeah, I love those. Yeah, the and the whole uh, thing at um, I forgot what it was that restaurant. And the confrontation. Yeah, there's a lot of really good, like, split, you know, multiple angles being delivered at once, really putting you in the thick of it. Like, stops cold in the middle of that confrontation and cuts back to Malcolm and his situation yeah, with the with uh, Lily. The woman. Uh, yeah. Uh, and just follows them for a bit until those two intersect. Yeah. And then it goes back. And I love the way... I love the I love how this film is edited. It's so cleverly. Oh, it's edited. really well edited. Uh, uh, real quick, I'm gonna go in and see who the editor was on it because it is a wonderful. Oh, please do. Yeah, because I really do want to give it all the credit. Again, this is one that I want to give all the credit due on it. Uh, Lee Hogan was the uh, editor's name. Yeah. Let's see. Uh, not a lot of stuff uh, as solo editor actually. Um, like, let's see, I'm seeing editorial department, let's see, uh, no, I'm seeing about 10 credits as editor, uh, mostly TV stuff, um, surprisingly, this is, uh, this appears to be the only major film, uh, surprising, this is really good, this is really good editing, uh, cause, yeah, cause, I mean, seriously, this is some really well cut stuff, and I really appreciate seeing that. When it goes to, like, how big the, uh, um, like after the after the uh, concert that they put on, and it's like they kind of distribute samplers for that stuff, uh, which you know they they make a lot of references to the fact that cocaine is uh, a slang term for cocaine is Molly, or it's and, ecstasy. Uh, this has ecstasy is well, let's see ecstasy. Okay, it's ex okay. But uh, they uh, that's what they have. It's not cocaine. It's ecstasy. Well, actually, I'm looking it up so that I can be sure that, uh, let's see, it is, let's see, I am looking it up. It's ecstasy, yeah. Um, it, it's ecstasy. Okay, I guess I missed I, that. I think it's ecstasy. Um, that makes more sense, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But yeah, yeah. Um, By the way, that's slang for, that's slang for, uh, for molecular... And it's referring to the supposedly pure crystalline powder form of it. Oh, holy shit. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah, this is strong stuff. But yeah, they call it, in the film, they uh, call this strain of it Lily because it's named after uh, an ex of the hacker. Well, no, it's named after the girl that's, uh, it's it's named after the girl that's uh, having the street incident. Oh, okay, 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 yeah, that makes more sense. The incident took place today at Seven Bucks Coffee. Apparently, the side effects of the popular club drug MDMA or Molly. Tannen Hill James was a witness to this bizarre scene. So I'm here at the Seven Bucks, drinking my vanilla chai latte and eating me some pound cake. Because you know niggas don't eat scones, right? 
when all of a sudden this crazy little naked hole comes up and she squatted down right in front of me and she pissed right there i swear to god pissed right there for a long time so now you tell me how am i supposed to eat my pound cake after witnessing something like that no fuck Molly, don't talk about that lily son <laughs> how am i supposed to eat my pound cake my pound cake that's another thing that's one of the things that uh I think Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt also gets yes. right in the first season. Yeah, it's... it gets that really right. Um, yeah. Guys, it's really not hard to get meme culture right if you just know what you're talking about. Um, exactly. Okay. Just just, just be steeped in it for a little bit. <laughs> it doesn't take much. For the record, the stupider, the more logical that it's actually going to catch on. I just... I don't know. This, this is just such an... This is really just such an energetic and fun movie. It really was a joy to watch. I mean, as I said, I I wish that some of the side characters had been a little bit better fleshed out. We really don't know anything about Diggy except for the lesbian thing. That's it. Yeah. Yeah, that is it, pretty much. We, and we know even less about Jib, so, you know, go figure. But I really, I had such a good time watching this movie, and that's the real joy of it. I I, I really had a good time watching this movie. It's, it's very much a party film. It's a film that's laden with, like, threats of violence, but you'll notice no one ever really does get shot and killed. Right, yeah, no, nobody dies in the film. It's not that kind of film. Yeah, it, it's not. It, it, it's, it's, it's a very warm, fuzzy film, ultimately, really. Yeah, it does deal with some serious issues with the characters, but that's, you know, that's characterization, that's, you know... Like, he does stuff that he probably wouldn't otherwise do. And I like that, yeah, and going back to that, the test that he's given by the black market dealer. One of these alligator bags was made here. One is from the store. Which one is which? They both look the same. The reality is, I sell 90% of my stuff to white hoes. Most aren't rich enough to afford retail. The white thing that is. I don't know. They know. They know the only difference between these two bags is the person rocking them. So when they rock them, people gonna assume it's real. And the flip of that is, it doesn't matter if you had the receipt from Barney sewn into the bag. People gonna assume it's fake. Only you know the truth. It's exactly, it's about it's about how you carry yourself, and that's the idea that runs through this movie. And that's such an interesting idea, and it's something that the movie does really handle very well. Yeah, and that is actually kind of the ending point of the movie. Like, that's his Harvard speech. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the ending is one minor thing that I did have some issues with, which is I did feel like the movie kind of goes a little bit on a bit too long. It has a really good logical end point. And it doesn't go there. Yeah, I think you mentioned that, and I did, yeah. Uh, I didn't notice that. It goes a little bit further. Like, when he ends his Harvard speech, that's really the moment at which the movie ends. Yeah. And that was the entire, you know, that was kind of the point it was building to. And, like, had the movie ended with his, with his uh, last line of that about, you know, now open your eyes, that would have been a perfect ending. 
as it stands, the movie keeps going for about five more minutes to tie up loose ends. Um, some of which I didn't need tied up. I didn't... Okay, it ends on a quasi-ambiguous shot of him opening the Harvard letter. We know what we know where that goes. There's no... It's not that ambiguous. We... Just his face tells you what happened. Yeah, we know he made it in. If he if he doesn't make it in, the film was kind of pointless. Yeah, it doesn't it doesn't go with, with the tone of the film. Um, yeah, one one of the things I do have to mention before we like before we wrap this up too much is one of my favorite jokes. Like I think the first big laugh I got out of the film was towards the beginning where uh, uh, he presents like his original Harvard paper, mm-hmm. which is finding I forgot the exact title, but it's uh, finding the exact date of is it Ice Cube? Yeah, Ice Cube's. It was a very good yeah, day of Ice Cube's good day. Yeah, finding <laughs> which people have really done. People have done, yeah. And he's right. It is a, it is a thing that you absolutely can pinpoint mm-hmm. and uh, using historical data and using like clues from the song. Except that Ice Cube never intended that to be the case. That's the funny thing about it. Yes. He just that is funny. He just he was just telling a story. I, by the way, I, I looked yeah. up. I was looking at the uh, soundtrack credits, and there are some interesting ones. Of of course, Pharrell Williams wrote uh, the songs that they perform, uh, as you noted, which I yeah. just think is awesome. Um, I just think it's awesome that he, you know, because for those who are uh, unaware, the time period in which he worked on this film was not a slow time in his career. Yeah, yeah. Very, very, very busy time, and I, th- I think it's cool that he, he chimed in, because the music in it is very good, again. I mean, it's Pharrell Williams. You have to expect that. 2013 was a very good year for Pharrell Williams. That was an amazing year. Uh, the scene where he's... Um, but the scene where Malcolm and Lily are about to make out, or, well, they're about to have sex, and it's, you know, starts to go... It starts to go so very wrong, because then she, you know, gets gooned out of her mind on uh, ecstasy... The uh, song that's playing in the background there is actually by Zoe Kravitz's band. Ah, yeah, nice. Yeah, and that and you you can hear her voice on the soundtrack in that scene. By the way, so that's awesome. So there's kind of a nice subconscious cue of oh he shouldn't be doing this, right? <sighs> Again, that that that's that's what good filmmaking is. I mean, I really I could talk about this movie for quite a bit longer. I. This is just one that I strongly recommend. Uh, even though we've done this nice full description of it, you can still throw it on. I, 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 we're not. We're only scratching the surface. This is one you have to experience. And yeah, you do. Yeah, I just I find it very satisfying. By the way, I never did get back to my point about the ending, which is that yeah, it the movie really what you could have done to fix that would have been a basic editing uh, technique. Have the scene where he goes to um uh Kravitz's character's house and you know they have a nice discussion etc cetera, etc cetera, all that and you know that ties up that subplot put that before this and then end the movie on that note that's the ideal ending cuz really you could move that sequence the essay you could have moved it to any time in the uh at the ending and it would have worked but that's a minor complaint i this is still one that I just really enjoyed. So I'm kind of, that's kind of my points on this film. Uh, I just thoroughly recommend it. Uh, it's on Netflix. I hear a lot of people complaining that Netflix is um, pulling back a lot on their film ca- library. And that's true. They're, they are trying to build up their, their TV and what they acquire. 
I'm not I'm not upset that this one. I'm not I'm not upset by this one. You know, they're doing a lot of acquisitions and original films. But if you've got stuff like this on there, don't tell me there's nothing good on Netflix. There's a lot of good stuff. Again, this is one that I really enjoyed. This is one that's on Netflix, and it's well worth your time. It's it's an hour and 42 minutes. It's quick. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, yeah. Those are my thoughts. Yeah, me too. The next film we're going to talk about is also uh, is about that long. And it really... Well, we haven't seen the film yet, but... We're going to hazard a guess that really kind of has no right to be. Yeah. We are... We are going to be... We're going to be staying... You know, it's kind of funny. We're, we're kind of bouncing around a bit in cinema. Um, you know, we, I said, we said at the beginning of this cast that we're trying to broaden our, our horizons a bit. And we haven't really covered the modern Mexican film boom. And, you know, I mean, obviously it's easy to cover guys like Del Toro and Quaron who have their movies made by major studios. It's easy to go to those guys. But you never you never think about stuff like, you know, the animated films from other countries. Yeah, we don't we we that's a big blind spot that we've never really covered and we could cover a good one. We're not going to. No. <laughs> We're going to cover What's what's the title cuz I don't have it right in front of me. The title is Huevos, Little Rooster's Excellent Adventure. Uh, so quick background on how this film came to my attention was I was in I, I saw Shaun the Sheep in the uh, the movie in the theater. And if you haven't seen that movie, it's delightful. It is great. There are no words. No, really, there are literally no words in the yeah. film. Uh and it's uh it's everything you'd expect from Ardman. Uh, it's it's great, uh, but there was a baffling trailer at the front of it for this Spanish language movie where the characters are all roosters, roosters and chickens, and uh, this this we seriously I cannot believe we're I cannot believe what this movie's plot is. Um, it's a fucking it's they're cockfighting. They're Mexi- it's Mexican cockfighting. This is a PG-13 rated animated movie about cockfighting. Un garo con muchos huevos. A chicken with major, with major, e- with much eggs, so to speak. Yeah. Oh. Exactly. Yeah, that tells you what we're in for. <laughs> That's what we're in for. I'm really hoping, like, I found it on, you know, I've been, I've been trying to push to uh, uh, get this on the cast, uh, and we finally found... An excuse because it's easily accessible. It's on Redbox. I'm really hoping that they did not cut it for, like you said, they changed uh, the title. We're, we're, you know, at least I'm going to be watching the uh, the Spanish version in its original Spanish. Of course, I'm going to watch the Spanish language version. I have no interest in watching an English dub. Uh, yeah, I'm going to watch the Spanish version too. Yeah, um, I'm really hoping that they did not cut anything uh, from the rating. Uh, well, no, because the, the, the video is also, the, the DVD is also still PG-13, so. Oh, good, good, yeah. awesome. Yeah, so we're going to be, oh boy, we're going to be dealing with that. Uh, I'm just so grateful. I want to thank the Little Rock Library system for making it so that I can watch this movie. Yes. That's going to. For free, you don't. For free. That's a fancy. I'm going to be going and getting that from the library tomorrow morning. So that's what's next for us. Yep. Some interesting territory. Uh, you can find us at thefilmroom.podbean.com, as always, and uh, you can subscribe directly there, or you can subscribe to us on iTunes, if that's your 
uh, preferred method. Find us on our Twitters. I am at Primitive Man PRD. Asa is at Untitled User. We are both collectively at 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 the film room, and of course, you can always follow Harold Ragsdale at Cybergun Films. Mm-hmm. Guys, trilogies have an ending. That's our spoiler for next year. Trilogies have an ending. We're building to something. Um, you can find us, of course, at uh, our Patreon, patreon.com slash thefilmroom. Here's the thing. Help us out. We've got a... I- I'm going to be perfectly blunt. We've got a... We're going to have a little bit of an interesting situation in June and uh, where, you know, we're going to have a lot going on. And, uh, you know, of course, that's when Lola Faye arrives. Uh, yeah, it's going to say, especially you. <laughs> yeah, so, you know, help us out. You know, help us... Give us the help us get the energy to keep uh, doing this uh, as we're doing it because we we've got a very complicated schedule ahead. But we want to thank our Patreon our patrons, of course. Uh, we also want to uh, illustrate that we are not going dark in June. We do we will have content. We will have content through the entire month, and it'll be pretty much regular. If we do it right, you won't notice. Yeah, you will not notice a gap. Yeah, uh, starting next week, we're going to start the major work to do that. Um, but uh, we want to thank our patrons. Thank you, Bridget. Uh, thank you, Daisy. Thank you, Sean from No Totally. Uh, dude, I hope your week goes better. Thank you. Uh, thank you, Nathan. And thank you, Sheila. Thanks, guys. We always appreciate the help. And uh, rate and review us on iTunes. And also check out the blog, thefoamroomlobby.wordpress.com. We still have stuff going on there. We have a lot going on there. Uh for for those who are unaware, I I kind of I kind of spiked our hits a bit recently, uh, and I'm trying to give a lot. Of, yeah. I'm trying to do at least an essay a week for y'all. Uh, I want to give y'all good content, um, dude. I really have. I want you to know if you even have the slightest germ of an idea, please write it and I'll get it posted. I still want to do the comics for rent on Wonder Woman at least because I I have it. I've seen it recently. Well, then let's do that. I mean, I'm not. I don't ever consider that one closed up. We just haven't been very good about getting to columns. So, um, I'm yeah, yeah. I'm gonna have at least, but I mean, I think the occasional intermittent column is good. So get that going. Um, that could be something good to have, especially in June when we do our state of DC cast. So yeah, yeah. So, but we we've got stuff going. Um, I have uh, I have at least one comic book essay that'll be coming up pretty soon. Um, but guys, keep it up. We have so much we want to talk about. So please, please. Yeah, we have we have a lot of plans for y'all. It's gonna be great, and uh, we have officially uh, kind of dissolved our nostalgia column, unfortunately. But we just never got we never got much response to it, to be perfectly blunt. And it took up a lot of time, and you have to sometimes examine the outlay. But we've gotten cool stuff come. We've got cool stuff. Yeah, that's all right though. It was an experiment, uh, and. Well, it's not like nothing is co- is coming out of it because, you know, we're still looking at 1996 through the cast. We've got at least three movies that we're going to be covering for 1996 through this year. Um, definitely, just a heads up, you can definitely count on casts on Twister, um, which we're actually going to record next week. Uh, that'll go in the bank. Um, we've got casts coming on Independence Day, which is also going to go in the bank, and which... I'm really looking forward to that sequel. I'm looking forward big time to that sequel. We're going to do a cast oh, on... Uh, me too. And we're going to do a cast on That Thing You Do. Yeah. But, you know, we have things... We have, we're have. we going to keep an eye on 1996. Uh, 
So, yeah, so just be looking for that stuff. That's what's going to be, you know, we've got a lot coming. I mean, don't think that the baby is going to slow us down. I've got a lot of stuff that we want to do. So, till then, y'all. Later. Later. Thanks for listening. these years you can call me n-word and i can't say it. yo look we already went over this i'll have to slap the shit out of you again i don't want to do that <laughs> see that's not even right i mean like really you know i'm not the one all right this is all love here look let's let's get back hey you asked me to do something for you i'm like what i'm down i don't give a fuck because you're my people, all right? You're my And this is where I would insert that word. It's nothing personal. You still my nigga, but I gotta slap the shit out of you based on principle. Let's get oh. back to what's going no, on. No, 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 no. Wait, principle? Okay, you wanna talk principle. What about Jib here, man? This dude in African American, he's like fucking Latino, Moroccan or some shit. I don't know. Going. Technically, he shouldn't be able to say the word. Why can he okay, use it? Okay, because I'm 14% African. Four, 14? That doesn't. Shit, I'm probably 14%. I am 14% African. Ancestry.com. Look, we don't give a fuck. For real? Just say the damn word, okay? It doesn't matter. It's cool, right? I don't give a shit. I give a fuck. Don't say that shit. I will slap the shit out of you. No, no, no. No, you won't because you have been outvoted by your peers. I'm George W. Bush. I don't give a fuck what the vote says. What the fuck? I don't say it. (sighs) All right, you can say it. Thank you. And I appreciate that. I really do. I like a nigga was saying, what the fuck? <laughs> what the fuck? What the fuck? No, it was reflex. Reflex. Dig. Reflex. It won't happen Stop again. You. I'm sorry. <laughs>